0: This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Wilson. Really, really excited to be back on the show and talk about an amazing week one that is still going on at this time. Right now, Ole Miss is throttling Louisville, which I expected to happen, even with with, a With Kiffin gone for tonight. Ole Miss is just a much better football team. Louisville, I'm not high on at all. And I think everybody's kind of seeing that tonight. Obviously, so many great things happened this weekend. Got to start off with Mackenzie Milton. The fact that he stepped on the football field this weekend, or last night, is just a flat-out miracle. In itself, it, it just just an amazing, amazing story. I mean, if, if you don't know, if you don't know about it, which I'm sure most people listening to this podcast obviously know about it, but his injury happened when he was at the University of Central Florida um, in a game, November twenty third, twenty eighteen, against South Florida. He took a Zone read option and just got tackled the wrong way and it was It was gruesome. It was a severe injury. Obviously his leg and knee um, major major issues and From the things that I've read and heard is the UFC training UCF not UFC UCF training staff deserves a ton of credit for saving Mackenzie Milton's leg. I mean, it, 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 the injury was so bad that they were worried about it having to be amputated. The, just the, the doctors for UCF does deserve so much credit for, for saving him. Basically he suffered a knee dislocation, uh, where the thigh bone and lower leg bone were completely dislocated that caused significant disruption to the blood flow in his leg. Also, He also tore ligaments and some tendons resulting in no nerve function or very little nerve function in his knee, which I've had numerous knee injuries so I understand that perspective, but obviously this is very, very much different. Um, one doctor reportedly told Mackenzie Milton, that nearly 50% of the patients with similar injuries to what he had 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 to have their legs amputated. I, I I don't even know how I would react if somebody told me that. Like, hey, you were playing football like an hour ago, and now we might have to cut your leg off. Like, to me, that that's just mind blowing. The damage to Mackenzie Milton's leg and knee was. Even more severe than expected, and they, they, they definitely didn't think Mackenzie Milton would ever play football again, and, and they didn't think he would walk. So, it, it it's just an amazing story that he was able to just get through this. He's he's obviously had to have many many surgeries, several surgeries to get through this, and just. Well, the first thing that comes that you, that you have to do is applaud the young man for having the perseverance to fight through all of that i mean for somebody to tell you that that we might have to amputate your leg then it turns into okay we didn't have to amputate your leg but now we really don't know if you're going to be able to walk again then you push through that and you train retrain yourself to walk with doctors help obviously then you're like no i'm just going to play I, i'm going to play football i don't i'm going to fight through this i'm going to get through this it, it's it's just an amazing story and and if that doesn't show you who god is right there i, I don't know what does and I saw a tweet from Mackenzie Milton today that just made me so proud and how he was glorifying God in in being able to step back on the football field last night and almost lead the team back to a victory. I mean that that whole that whole exchange last night in that game was just I mean, it was magical to say the least. And something that not only as a football fan, but a fan of sports and a human being for that matter it's something I will always remember to be able to see that young man not not only to be able to fulfill his dream to go back and play football but to succeed the way he did and to lead his team back lead him to overtime and, and it was, I felt so bad that they lost that game because it was just a storybook um, definitely better than I, I, there, I know a lot of people aren't gonna like this, but it's much better than Rudy. Let's just say that. Much better, but just 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 an amazing amazing story. I had to lead with that. I mean, I obviously he's the comeback player of the year, and 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 I honestly believe he should get he should get some Heisman votes for that for that performance for just being able to come back and play football again. Just just an amazing, amazing thing to see there. Of course, some of that was t- some of the, the uh, limelight was taken away from that moment with uh, the remarks of Brian Kelly after the game. Now, the remarks were taken far too seriously and far too out of context, obviously, but there's still remarks that should not have been said um not not in good taste let's just say that now obviously kelly was quoting we all know he was quoting uh, John McKay from back when he was coaching the Tampa Bay Bucks John McKay was asked if how he felt of his team's execution and John McKay said oh I agree with it now in the 70s that might be witty and kind of funny but uh, obviously in 2021 were a lot more sensitive but still the way kelly said it was not funny at all the he missed he completely dropped the ball there huge freudian slip on his on his behalf i understand he was trying to be funny but uh it definitely was not funny <laughs> but i remember when i saw that live i literally said to myself did he really say that and I'm like, well, it'll be on Twitter in 30 seconds, and by golly, it was, and it was, <laughs> it was a uh, head scratching to say the least. Um, Brian Kelly was a coach at Grand Valley State, obviously for a long time. I obviously have shared my story of my time at Grand Valley State, so um, just, just an interesting. Uh, paths we've crossed from that perspective another huge huge story that's dropped over the past couple days and then today obviously it has to do with yukon football and with my partnership with sidelines yukon this has uh, been something i've been following quite closely um the whole obviously them losing to yukon or losing to holy cross is uh was not good the way they lost that game, not good. They, they, it was ugly, to say the least. Um, it's obviously going to be a difficult year for the Huskies. And Randy Edsel announced yesterday that he was going to retire at the end of the season. Which which I think from the career he's had, his first tenure at UConn, he, de- he, he deserved... I believe he deserves the opportunity to leave at his own terms, but he, he did bail on them right after they played in the Fiesta Bowl, like literally right after. So, I mean, it was kind of one of those, hey, this was fun. I'm going to greener pastures, quote-unquote. Um, obviously, this second time around has not gone as well. Um, he obviously had... A mess to clean up, and and if and if we're being honest, I mean, I feel like he's probably done the best that he that he could in the circumstances. I mean, they have recruited pretty well. I mean, there's NFL talent on that roster. Um, so, I mean, he's recruited well. He's done what he's what I feel he should do. Um, it it just isn't enough right now. And we've kind of seen that Uh, after losing to Holy Cross obviously you can kind of see the writing was on the wall so then today he just flat-out says that he's stepping down resigning however you want to take it Um, obviously the UConn fan base um, and college football fans in general have more so have just been ripping the Huskies And it's been kind of sad to see on Twitter because with my partnership with Sidelines UConn, I have, um, grown to, to, to know some of the people in the fan base and they're very, very passionate fans, good fans, knowledgeable fans, passionate people who love and support their team. And I, I, I agree that they, they deserve, they deserve better than this. And, I think this upcoming hire this upcoming search for a new head coach is going to be it's gonna be a tipping point for the program there are a lot of people out there a lot of obviously a lot of negative comments have come from this but a lot of people out there are saying do they disband the program do they go down to FCS and I'm not here to, to debate or argue what the right answer is in my opinion they need to just go hire. Take take the time and go hire the right person. Whoever yeah. that may be. I mean, to me, the top person that comes to mind is Yukon legend Dan Orlowski. He, he's a I'm a big fan of his from his time as a as a Lions player to uh, his commentary for ESPN. I think he's very, very good at what he does from that regard. I love his takes. I love his knowledge. I love how he gives credit to my Detroit Lions, who I love. And uh, I, I think he's going to be super, super passionate about the job, and I think he would be great. But obviously, he doesn't have that coaching experience. He's, he's arguably the number one player to ever come out of that school um, from the perspective of when you think UConn football, that's the first name that comes to mind to me um, from his time there. So, I mean, for me, that's the first person that comes to mind for me. But obviously, like I said, he doesn't have that any coaching experience. And I know, I know a lot of people have said, is the UConn job even any good? For me, for the people laughing at UConn football – there this is a job opening at a top 25 public university. Yukon is one of the top schools in the country, great academic school. They play in a 40,000 seat stadium. They have great facilities. And the coach will get paid over a million dollars a year. I don't I don't see how there there wouldn't be huge interest in this job the the tv contract that they have with cbs sports network all your games will be on tv you'll have a ton of notoriety from that perspective you are the big fish in that state obviously in that region really because the connecticut massachusetts area you are the big fish From the football perspective, I I just feel when you when you have a job where you can offer your head coach over a million dollars, I just feel like there's going to be a ton of interest from from somebody who has really good experience, coached at a high level, just lost a job at a big school looking to potentially Potentially get that job and move up again. I don't feel like that's the way that UConn should go with this hire. I feel like they need to get somebody who is going to stay there for a little while. I think that's important. That's why I think maybe you go get maybe a younger guy who's going to bring a ton of fire to that program. And build it up the way that it should be built. Um, like I said before, like they Having that stadium, the facilities that they have, being the university that UConn is, I mean, I just feel like there's there's way too much good as a selling point to a coach, to a good coach that would want that job. I just feel like there's too much there for somebody not to want that job. And for the fan base sake that I've grown to enjoy... They they deserve it. Like I said, this is a very passionate fan base, very knowledgeable fan base, and these people these people that support the Huskies deserve it. Next, I want to talk about my two favorite teams: the University of Michigan and Coastal Carolina. Um, obviously, Coastal Carolina played uh, Thursday night, um, much different opponent. Then, uh, obviously playing the Citadel, um left. I mean, it, Coastal did what they were supposed to do. Let's just let's just call it what it is. They they were did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business, and, and they looked damn good doing it. Really, I mean, they played they played some really really good football in the first half. There, they they went in halftime up thirty one to nothing. I mean, it it could have been a lot worse. I mean, then they came out, scored right away, out, out of the gate after halftime. Then they pulled. Then they pulled the starters really, and uh, cruised from there. 152 to fourteen. I was really really happy watching them play. Um, it, it's going to be really really fun to see them play Friday night at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina, against the University of Kansas. Kansas coming off a win, 677 days between wins for the University of Kansas. Congratulations, Kansas Jayhawk football fans. Much deserved. W for you guys. And I'm excited for this game. I mean, I've been to Brooks Stadium. It's a fantastic place to watch a football game. The teal turf is a sight to behold. It's beautiful and I will share my story of my passion for Coastal Carolina in my ne- in the next podcast episode as I have a great host coming on or a great guest coming on uh, in the next podcast. It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm super, super excited for the next episode with my interview that I will have. But super excited for what Coastal was able to do Thursday. And now I got to talk Michigan football. Saturday, they played Western Michigan. And if you've listened to one of my previous episodes with, a, with my guest Jake Saul that I had on, we let Michigan football have it a little bit. Uh, we, I flat out said that Michigan wouldn't make a bowl game and that Western Michigan might beat Michigan. Well, boy, was I wrong. Michigan showed up and showed out against Western Michigan. The, defense, the defensive line and offensive line was the key to that game. Now, Michigan had a ton of athletes play really, really well in that game. But I have to talk about the offensive and defensive lines for the Wolverines because last year they weren't physical. They were manhandled. They looked soft in 2020. They came out against Western Michigan, hit them in the mouth, played super physical, and it was super exciting to watch. I was so happy to see that. Really, really excited now for what the season holds for Michigan. The quarterback's play for Michigan was something I was really, really questioning going into the season. And Cade McNamara came out and just, he looked really, really good. Looked really good. And then J.J. McCarthy who I actually thought was going to win the job, came came in later in the game and looked like the All-American, that the high school All-American that he is. I mean, the future is bright at the quarterback position, it looks like. And as good as Cade McNamara played, I'm sure we've all seen the J.J. McCarthy touchdown pass that he threw where he threw it across his body, across the field, and it was just one of the most beautiful passes you'll ever see. I mean... The young man can make every throw. Now, granted, that's not a pass you want your quarterback to make consistently. But, man, if you're able to do that, my goodness, how good could could he be? One concern, obviously, for Michigan, Ronnie Bell, all Big Ten performer at wide receivers, lost for the year with a pretty bad knee injury Um, very very sad to see that that was that was i I feel really bad for him because he's a great player and that's going to hurt michigan that definitely will hurt michigan um but nonetheless very very excited about the wolverines and uh what their season holds obviously they play the washington huskies on national television saturday night at the big house a maze out the big house is going to be rocking and and i'm i'm excited to see to see how that goes for the wolverines and uh obviously the huskies um we'll get into the week one takeaways the washington huskies had the worst loss of the weekend let's just let's just call it what it is washington was ranked and my pick to win the Pac-12, honestly, and they laid an egg. They came in now. I've preseason polls to me are meaningless. They came in at number 20, but they scored seven points against Montana and lost 13 to seven against FCS Montana. They paid Montana nearly seven hundred thousand dollars to come to Seattle and lose for the first time. The first time they've lost to Montana in over 100 years, I saw. Just It's just a terrible loss for the Washington Huskies. What does that mean for them going into this Michigan? Well, first off, let's give all the credit to the Montana Grizzlies. I saw that they were now ranked number one in the FCS, and deservedly so, for winning at a Pac-12 uh, power Let's just throw, let's call it how it is. Like Washington is one of the best teams in the Pac-12 and Montana went in there and destroyed them and very, very impressed by them. But now Washington heads to the big house in Ann Arbor Saturday night. I mean, it's not a must win game because I mean, obviously their goal has got to be to win the Pac-12 conference and that's still well within reach. But if you lose to Montana and then you lose at Michigan, it looks a little bleak at that point for the Huskies. I expect Washington to come out motivated and ready to go. And I expect Michigan to have to get all they can handle in that game. So let me let's look at some of my takeaways from week one. The Thursday games. The Boise State UCF game was fantastic. What a comeback by UCF. Um Stinks how it was delayed for so long, and then a lot of people didn't get to see the ending because they fell because they were sleeping at that point. But props to them for how they won that football game. Great job by them. Then I just gotta give the Buffalo Bulls a shout out. Um, I've said this before. A high school teammate of mine is the safeties coach of Buffalo, and they just came out and they won sixty nine to seven against Wagner. Coming up this week, they play at Nebraska and I think we all know that Nebraska should be on upset alert there because Buffalo is damn good. A couple other takeaways. Got to talk about App State. They looked good against East Carolina. Tulsa losing to UC Davis, paying them over $400,000 in that game. Ohio State struggling with Minnesota for a while, and Mo Ibrahim, Getting knocked out for the season in that game, he was having one of the games of his life there too. That was so unfortunate, and you feel for him because he's arguably the best running back in college football. He is fantastic, and Minnesota loses him for the year. And I'd, I'd be, I would have been really, really interested to see how that game would have unfolded if he would have been able to stay in it, because Minnesota was was taking care of taking care of things, if you ask me. And the game kind of turned on that injury, and Ohio State did what they were supposed to do. They came away with a good road win. Um, they obviously have a tough one coming up at home against Oregon Saturday, so that'll be fun. Got to talk about Tennessee. They struggled with Bowling Green in the first half, and then they came out and took care of business, but struggled there. Got to give Eastern Washington a ton of credit, winning at UNLV in double overtime, getting a good payday and winning. Good for them. Obviously got to talk about Friday, Virginia Tech against North Carolina. Sam Howell was my Heisman leading leading up to the game. He was my Heisman leader. I picked him to be the preseason Heisman trophy winner. And he and the Tar Heels came out and laid, a, laid an egg. Just call it how it is. All the credit in the world goes to Virginia Tech, though. They showed up, and they played fantastic. The Virginia Tech defense was unbelievable in that game. Unbelievable. Held Sam Howell to 17 for 32 for 208 yards, one touchdown, and three picks. Like, that, just amazing. Virginia Tech quarterback Braxton Burmeister came out and just was fantastic i mean he played great really really impressed by how he played how he played and after transferring him from oregon he comes in goes 12 for 19 for 169 yards of touchdown and a pick and then he ran for 42 yards and a touchdown very very impressive win for virginia tech then how about charlotte getting their first power five win against duke and then one of my one of the most impressive performances that I saw over the weekend Michigan State just throttling Northwestern and Michigan State running back Kenneth Walker the third who transferred in from Wake Forest 264 rushing yards and four touchdowns I was a little down on Michigan State coming into the year but man they looked really good they looked really good in that football game. They play at Miami in a couple weeks. That one's going to be really, really interesting. We'll get to Miami and my thoughts on them, but that's going to be an interesting football game in a couple weeks. <laughs> then you got to give a shout-out to South Dakota State for going to Colorado State and destroying them. The Mountain West might lose some teams coming up in expansion, and they need to call South Dakota State and North Dakota State because – Both of those teams could come in right now and can compete for the conference championship. I think South Dakota State proved that against Colorado State. And North Dakota State, we know what they are. Now let's talk about Saturday a little bit. Oklahoma struggled against Tulane. To be quite honest, Tulane should have won that football game. They got hosed by the officials. The officiating in that game was horrendous. And they should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves for... For how they officiated that game, that that was like, ridiculous in my opinion. Michael Pratt at quarterback for Tulane, the freshman, came out and just he outplayed Spencer Rattler, flat out outplayed Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler was thirty for thirty-nine for three hundred four yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He had a rushing touchdown as well. Not his best performance, obviously. Got to talk about Penn State going to Wisconsin, taking care of business. That was a defensive battle, but Penn State made all the plays when they had to, and they looked good. I got to give a shout out to Kansas State for how they performed against Stanford. Like, Stanford did, it wasn't even a game. It wasn't even a game. Oregon struggled with Fresno State. I watched Fresno State the week before the whole game against Yukon and I said going into that game that Fresno State had a shot. And until the, the like Oregon won that game at the very very end. I mean that they they tied the game up with 741 to go and then they took the lead with 257 to go. Like Oregon was in a battle there. Now we got to talk about Alabama. I'm going to say this. In, I I had Alabama in the preseason going undefeated and winning the national title. <laughs> They're even better than I thought they were. They're even better than going undefeated and winning the national title. I don't even think that anyone is close. I, it was right now. Now, granted, there's a long season. Don't want to overreact to one game. But... I mean, how good was Bryce Young in that football game? Comes out and throws for 344 yards and four touchdowns. <clears throat> the young man is going to be unbelievable. Now, Miami obviously <laughs> did not look good. Now, is that because they're playing against Alabama? Alabama? Or is it because they're overrated? Probably a little of both, but time will tell. Then you got to talk about Iowa and Indiana. Iowa just—I mean that—I had Indiana being the team that could compete with Ohio State in the Big Ten East. <clears throat> Michael Penix Jr. was terrible. You got to give a shout out to DB Riley Moss, who had two pick sixes in that game. That 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 right there—I mean that's amazing. Two pick sixes, Iowa much better than we thought, Indiana nowhere near as good as we thought. And Iowa Iowa State is going to be interesting this Saturday because Iowa State struggled against Northern Iowa, only won 16-10, so they better show up when they play the Hawkeyes this weekend. Got to talk about Texas against Louisiana took some uh, took some flack for this on social media cuz I said Louisiana was going to win by two touchdowns. Boy, did I get that wrong. Texas showed up and showed out. Way to go Longhorns. Probably the best performance of the week of the weekend. If not, it's 1A1B with UCLA. Um a lot of the other games in in the midday slate went as expected. Obviously got to talk Georgia-Clemson. It was difficult to watch at times. Um, Georgia and Clemson's defenses obviously are top-notch. Both teams got to find an offense. Both teams got to find quarterback play. But the thing you got to talk about with Georgia, the way that that defensive line was able to get to DJ Ugalangale and to disrupt that entire game was amazing. I I don't know if I've ever seen a team or one group cause so much havoc in a football game. They had seven sacks, eight tackles for loss. I mean, it was, it was a sight to behold. I mean, that, that, that Georgia defense is elite, 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 elite. And when they play Alabama, it's going to be a lot of fun. The night slate Saturday night was very, very interesting. UTSA, I had, I had UTSA winning. I have them winning Conference USA, and they went to Illinois, and they won, which I predicted. But not only did they win, but they also make $1.1 million in the win. So that's very, very exciting for them then you turn right around northern illinois wins at georgia tech they get paid a million dollars for that game and win northern illinois goes for two with 30 or so seconds left to steal that game like i saw the ending of that game that was that was i mean, that took a lot to make that play, to make those calls there at the end of the game and i give niu all the credit and their coaching staff coach Hammock, all the credit in the world. That that was fun. Obviously I talked about Montana and Washington that the the shocker of the weekend obviously <clears throat> another game that has to be discussed. East Tennessee State goes to Vanderbilt and just destroys Vanderbilt. 23 to 3. I mean, it wasn't even close. Like Vanderbilt is in the SEC. East Tennessee State disbanded their program, and just brought it back a couple years ago. And for them to go to Vanderbilt, they had more fans at they had more fans at the game than Vanderbilt did. I mean, Vanderbilt football, what is going on? And this is coming from somebody who's watching the UConn games as well, like I am. And UConn and Vanderbilt play on October 2nd. That game is going to be very interesting. But I I think the thing to work, I mean, obviously Vanderbilt with a terrible loss there to East Tennessee State. But how is Vanderbilt going to compete in the SEC? Vanderbilt has to go to Colorado State Saturday. Colorado State coming off a terrible loss themselves. Somebody's got to win a football game there. Then you got to talk about UCLA, their performance against LSU. There's a couple things that need to be talked about here. There were so many well let's first talk about Coach O's comments. We've all seen it, the sissy blue shirts. <clears throat> first off, UCLA's colors are fantastic. If if that is a sissy blue, by all means, I'm all for it. UCLA fans, I, 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 you have one of the best jerseys, one of the best color combos, and co- and in college football and football in general and sports in general. Those jerseys that they wear are some of the best in college football. If anything, the purple is sissy, for goodness' sake. But then you got to talk about. LSU's missed tackling. I I mean I thought Bo Pellini was gone. I mean that 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 was terrible. Derek Stingley Jr. is arguably the best corner in college football. But like, my goodness. Could LSU miss any more tackles? That that was terrible. Zach Charbonnet again looked Unstoppable at times. And then quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson just looked like, I mean, looked like the second coming out there, the way he was playing. I mean, like he was everywhere. It was unbelievable. I, I was just so amazed at how lackluster LSU looked and how fantastic or how Lackluster, yes, how lackluster LSU looked and how fantastic UCLA looked. UCLA needs to r- skyrocket in the rankings this week. And I'm a proponent of not having any rankings till October, but that's another story. But UCLA has proved it. They came out, looked like world beaters against Hawaii. Then I questioned, along with many others, could they run the football that well against LSU? Could they run the football that well? Absolutely. They had 210 yards rushing and averaged four and a half yards per carry. So yes, they could run the football that well against LSU. Then in the night slate, Nevada won at Cal. To me, that wasn't an upset, but to some, it was. The upset of the night uh, of the nighttime slate was Utah State winning at Washington State. Washington State has obviously has some questions. They're about to play Portland State, which they need to win that game because if they don't, oh boy it could be a real rocky season for them. So let's talk about a couple a couple of the key performances of the week of the weekend. One one name I gotta bring up is Fordham linebacker Ryan Greenhagen and his performance against Nebraska. I know this I know I'm on here talking about a lot of FBS uh, talking FBS but Ryan Greenhagen had 30 tackles against Nebraska. 30. Uh, that that is just mind-blowing. 30 tackles for goodness sake. I've already talked about Riley Moss from Iowa having the two pick sixes. Michigan State running back Kenneth Walker to third, 264 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zape transferred in from Houston Baptist and had seven touchdown passes for Western Kentucky in their win on Saturday. And then SMU quarterback Tanner Tanner Mordecai also had seven touchdown passes himself. But but one of the things we got to talk about here, another FCS football team, the Presbyterian Blue Hose. and what they did this weekend let me let me just pull up these staggering staggering statistics they beat NAIA St. Andrews 84 to 43 pretty amazing Presbyterian quarterback Ren Halfley threw for ten touchdown passes. Ten. Absolutely staggering. He also had five hundred and thirty eight yards passing. Now, I think people are wondering, like, and some people probably heard this story. They hired their new head coach this year is Kevin Kelly, and they hired Kevin Kelly from uh, Pulaski Academy, which I believe is in, it's in it's in Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas. He won nine state championships there, won over 200 games in 18 years there, and was hired. presbyterian this year his coaching philosophy is to never punt never kick always go for it on fourth down and always go for two just and obviously that works against uh an naia opponent but it's going to be really really interesting down the road They play, they play an entire FCS schedule the rest of the way now. So it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if down the road, any FBS teams say, Hey, I want to play Presbyterian and go up against that. It's almost like coming from my basketball background and going up against the Grinnell system. Um, it, it definitely is not going to be anything that anybody is used to So very 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 intrigued there <clears throat> Let's so this coming week week two I'm a little disappointed here because I'm not going to be able to see much football this weekend my wife is in a wedding and First off, really close friend of ours, one of my wife's best friends. Very, very happy for her and her uh, soon-to-be husband. But uh, I think we can all agree that you don't get married during the football season. <laughs> but I digress. It was, again, super, super happy for them. But uh, haven't been able to go to a game the past couple weeks because of different things that my wife has going on with the wedding. And won't be able to see a ton of games this week, but I'll be checking in as much as I can. So Friday, like I said, super, super excited for Coastal Carolina and their opportunity to be on national television. Um, And then uh, obviously we got Michigan against Washington on ABC at night. Obviously, probably the game of the weekend, Oregon at Ohio State, that's an 11 a.m. kick in the central time zone where I am. Florida at South Florida, I mean, get a marquee TV slate, but Florida, we saw South Florida's bad. A um, game I'm intrigued for is Texas A&M against Colorado in Denver. Texas A&M looked a little shaky there for a little while. That one will be interesting to me. Buffalo at Nebraska. I'm going to say Buffalo pulls off the upset there and gets that one. Iowa, Iowa State obviously going to be very, very good. Um, Iowa proved that they belong, that's for sure. App State at Miami is going to be interesting to me. Again, going to stand on my uh, Sunbelt soapbox. Watch out for the Mountaineers. Texas at Arkansas, that will be interesting. I think Texas proved though that they're really good. Um, but B- Utah at BYU that'll be fun. Stanford at USC that'll be interesting. But not not a not an amazing week of games, though to say the to say the least. But obviously we're all super super excited to watch college football. So, like I said. My next episode, I have an amazing guest coming on, a coach from a school near and dear to my heart that I am a fan of. So I'm super super excited for for uh, for that episode. Try and get that one out, hopefully Wednesday or Thursday to you guys. Really really excited about that. Again, thank you guys so much for for listening. Um, have a good have a good couple days here. God bless.